0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about anxiety, what it is, how it works, what it does in your brain, in your body, body, you know, the reactions that we feel in our brain and our body and our mind and what we can do about it. And the reason I've chosen to speak about anxiety is because it's just such an important topic, number one, it just like comes up all the time. And I get so many questions from listeners and viewers on trying to understand anxiety and what to do about it. This is a huge topic and I'll be doing a few podcasts on this. But today is a good start to understand what it is, what it does in your brain and body and, and mind, your mind, brain and body and how you can manage it. But before we begin... This podcast is for educational purposes and not medical purposes. If you have medical needs, please contact the appropriate medical professional. And one more thing. This is the last day for you to be able to get, take advantage of this wonderful offer that we're giving you, where you can get both my latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess and 101 Ways to Be Less Stressed. for just $30. You save yourself $11. And you, if you go to our site, you can pick this up at drleaf.com and the link will be in the show notes. And now back to today's podcast. So here are some of the questions that I get from this, that I've got from listeners. Really, really good questions. Why do I feel anxious in certain situations and not others? Why is my whole body reacting to the point where I feel sick when I'm anxious? Why do some situations result in more anxiety than others? What do I do when I feel constantly anxious around a loved one or work colleague? What do you tell your mind to ward off PTSD anxiety when emotionally triggered? Can you give insight into how to control anxiety and being panicked when left alone and how to keep the mind at peace? Is anxiety genetic? Can it be wired in related to a specific fear? What is hypervigilance? I mean, this is just a few of some incredible questions, but they really represent a good sampling of the kind of Issues around anxiety. So, I'm going to dive into this topic in as much depth as I can. And I first want to tell you some really good news about anxiety. And that is that we all experience it. Humans experience anxiety. Anxiety is a response, it's not a brain illness. If you feel anxiety, it doesn't mean that you have a neuropsychiatric brain disease. I'm going to hold up my famous skull and brain. Okay. So, If you're feeling anxiety, even extreme anxiety, it doesn't mean that you're a broken brain. It means that there's something going on in your life. There's context to your anxiety. There's a narrative behind your anxiety. Your anxiety is not a free-floating thing that is coming out of your brain. It is connected to a narrative. And that narrative is accumulation of adverse circumstances and it has blown up in your life. Okay, so that's the first thing everyone experiences. The second thing is not a brain disease. Anxiety obviously is experienced in different ways. So we have kind of that normal level of anxiety, like when we're busy with something or we're under a bit of pressure at work or family anxiety or sort of more minor stuff, but that can make us a little anxious, like maybe being too busy or something going on. Like, for example, today I just had like 500 things going on at the same time and I had to do preparation and all kinds of stuff and get ready for meetings and, And high level intellectual demands and I was in the midst of all this busyness and I did feel the level of anxiety and I had to do a neurocycle to control the anxiety. But then there's other times where that anxiety is gets like really bad, where it builds and builds and builds and it's cumulative and eventually you just like explode. So there's the day-to-day anxiety that all of us experience. And then there's those periods in our life where anxiety becomes huge, it becomes it's accumulated accumulated into a, like a big thing. So it's become like a big anxiety. And then that can cause us to crash like a panic attack or just our life just feels like it's falling apart and, we, and it gets so extreme that we just can't really function well. And that still doesn't mean that you're mentally ill, but it does mean that you are battling with your mental health, which is nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just that life sometimes gets us. And anxiety is one of the ways that we are trying to deal with all this, the pressure and the and the accumulation of all the different elements of that story that just get to us. And what causes me to have anxiety is not necessarily going to be what's going to cause you to have anxiety. or well, the way I react with you, you've just got to always honor our individuality and the context of the anxiety, okay? So if you're human, you will and have and are going to experience anxiety. And at certain periods in your life it might get really bad that you need some help managing it. And sometimes it gets so bad that you definitely need help and you kind of fall apart. And That's okay. That's okay because this podcast is all about cleaning up your mental mess. And I really believe that reflects what life should be about, that we should help each other to clean up our mental messes. And anxiety is not a disease. You can take the word anxiety and say, I'm experiencing anxiety as a sort of label if you want. I don't really like labels, but if you want to have a description, it's a better way of saying it. So if you, if you have a description of, okay, I'm feeling anxiety in my life at this moment, saying it and, and, lab, and, and kind of giving it a name can help us feel a sense of peace because, because okay, well, that's, I'm feeling anxiety. But always follow that with, I am feeling anxiety because of something. And then you become that thought detective to understand the narrative that is linked to the symptom of anxiety. So anxiety just doesn't pop out of your brain. It just doesn't pop out of nowhere. Anxiety is a warning signal experienced in your mind and your brain and your body. So it's a holistic experience. It's an overwhelming initially mind experience, which then activates a brain response, which then activates a body response and then a feedback loop is set up. If left unmanaged, it can accumulate and explode. Okay, volcanic nature, to think of a volcano. And I cannot stress enough that it is important for you to understand that that's okay and that is all humans we experience that. And that's why we need the help of each other, support of each other, therapy, counseling, talking to someone, all that kind of thing is so important. Okay, so to dive in a little bit deeper, what I want to do is just talk about a bit about the neuro biology of anxiety which will help to answer some of those questions because someone one of the questions that were, was asked was I'm just going to go back to that question was why do I feel anxious in certain situations and not others to answer this question that is because in certain situations you have experienced something and every experience you have has been wired has been experienced by your mind Put into your brain and wired in as an actual thought and then your brain has sent a message to every cell of your body, the rest of your brain and every cell of your body about that experience. So it's stored in your mind as these waves and in your brain as a toxic thought, where's my toxic thought, and in your body in a change in your DNA. So the source of the anxiety is at the root system and then the branches of the thought are your interpretation of that, your perspective, okay? And so this whole thing, this experience which is converted into these different states in your mind, brain, and body are all linked. So your body, it's the last part to exit mind, brain, body, and your body gets this whole physiological response that's connected to your brain because it's controlled by your brain, and they become linked. So when this is triggered, then it triggers the mind-brain-body response. So something in our environment triggers this whole mind-brain-body response. And the situation that triggers it depends on what it was. So the content, the data of the source of the anxiety, whenever you are in a similar situation that seems similar, then it's going to trigger that response. So let's say, for example, you've developed anxiety around public speaking, which is pretty common. So that, that's a very specific anxiety, so there's maybe some experience you had that was a bit toxic and your interpretation is that this is all scary and mind, brain, body, build, it's been built in and stored there and you had repeated experience, so it, over a period of 63 days, 9 weeks or a few months whatever, you had enough experiences to stabilize this, so it turned into a long-term memory, became automatized, became a habit, the whole psychoneurophysiological link was set up and now when you're in any kind of public speaking situation that triggers this particular response, which is to maybe withdraw or, you know, major heart palpitations, flight and freeze, you can't open your mouth, or you just speak a bunch of gibberish or you stumble over your words or you just free or whatever. And your heart's palpitating and you feel awful because that's triggered that. But then you can go into maybe having dinner with a bunch of friends where you are in public, but because it is... Not that same kind of, that's still people, but you don't have, and you maybe sharing about something and telling, talking about maybe even similar content to what you would have maybe talked about in that public situation. But because it's an unthreatening, it's a different situation, you don't experience quite the same, so you don't experience the same effect. So an, an anxiety response is always linked to the source, which is the data, what actually happened to create that anxiety response. So there's that tri- there's the experience in the roots. There's the response collectively that's now created a change in your body physiology uh, because this is in your brain, so it's changed your brain and your body and in the mind. And over time, it became automatized and habituated. So when that's activated, the whole mind-brain-body physiological link is activated and you re-experience that. So to fix something like that, we have to observe the pattern of the anxiety. So we have to observe, okay, I am having this kind of response and you can get the detail of the response in X situation. And that's where the neurocycle is fantastic because you have to become a thought detective. So let's say that you get this, this whooshing response and you recognize the pattern is in public, in public, public speaking. So that anxiety is the signal, the public speaking and your interpretation of public speaking, the data, the emotions, that's all in here. So the, all the details of the experience, your narrative. Okay, you're inter- this is specifically your interpretation of your narrative. Like, oh, I'm not good at this, and I'm bad, and I fall apart, and I feel scared, and that's all your interpretation. And there's that then tracks back down to the source, which may have been that you had a really bad experience. It just you did you went into one you had a you had a, you had a chance to do public speaking, and it was a disaster, and that's what you stored there. So it's now become, and that happened maybe three or four, or five times, or six times, or. Frequently over a period of time became habituated. So you want to now reverse that process. So you want to go from the signal. Okay, I feel anxiety. There's a pattern that's in public speaking. So that's the anxiety. It's drawing me in. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a thought detective. I'm going to look at the data. I'm going to ask my, I'm going to gather awareness of all the signals. So the first signal is the anxiety. The second signal is maybe there's more you can add, other emotions you can add to the anxiety. So the the emotional warning signals, your behaviors. What do you do? What are the behavior warning signals you freeze up maybe? What are the physical warning signals, like your heart just feels like it's going to stop and you're going to have a heart attack, and your perspective, I can't do this. So you look at those four, you gather awareness of those, Those. then you start reflecting on that. Why did this happen? Ask, answer, discuss, ask, answer, discuss, write that down. Third and fourth step are the writing steps. Third step, you just pour it on the page. Fourth step, you organize what you've written. And then the fifth step, what's your little action? And you're going to do that each day for 21 days. And that's called the neurocycle. And then after 42 days, you just do step five. And by 21 days, you would have basically been a thought detective finding out why you had this have have this anxiety attack, where it's coming. You you would find the source, the data of the source. Okay, this and this happened. This is why. Now, how do you want that to, as you're going through the 21 days, you'll be finding that. And then you want to change that into how you want it to be. How do you want to be? I want to be able to speak in public without falling apart. So you want to reconceptualize that. So as you are deconstructing this, you are reconstructing into, okay, it is scary for me to talk in public, but this is why. So this is how I'm going to change it. I'm going to see it like this. I'm going to try that. I'm going to practice this. And you build a new version of how you want this to play out into your life. And this little one over here used to be that toxic thought. Now it's changed. It's been redesigned, reconceptualized, seen in another way inside this way that you want to be able to public speak. And now you have to practice that for the 42 days doing a neurocycle daily that's the system of the neurocycle that i talk about in all the time and i explain in depth in my book cleaning up your mental mess and i have my neurocycle app which is amazing because it walks you through the process and you can use it for anything so i just gave this example of public speaking leading to anxiety every day there's a new wellness trend eat that do this avoid those how do you know where to start or who to trust Inside Tracker cuts through the noise by analysing your blood, DNA, lifestyle and fitness trackers to provide you a personalised, science-backed, trackable action plan on how to live, age and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper and more convenient than traditional blood tests. Their blood tests include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests like ferritin and vitamin D. My favourite part, they don't just give you data. They provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. They can also track your inner age. InsideTrackers' advanced data-driven model first calculates your biological age, then provides an action plan of science-backed recommendations with the goal of improving the quantity and quality of the years ahead of you. For a limited time, is offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash DrLeaf change is an inside job start inside the link and details will be in the show notes proper hydration is so important when it comes to our mental and brain health but it can be really hard to remember to drink enough water or get the right nutrients especially when you have a busy schedule or are always on the go like me this is why i love lmnt electrolyte drink mixes not only are they delicious i love their new watermelon salt flavor and easy to travel with but they are filled with everything you need and nothing you don't. LMNT is formulated to help anyone with the electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for people following a keto, low-carb or paleo diet. All of their products contain a science-backed electrolyte ratio and are completely junk-free. No coloring, no artificial ingredients, no sugar, no gluten and no fillers. This is why LMNT is my go-to electrolyte drink and trusted by many of the world's leading health experts and athletes including Team USA Weightlifting, dozens of professional sports teams across the NFL, NHL and NBA and Navy SEAL teams. For a limited time, you can claim a free LMNT sample pack. You only have to cover the cost of shipping, which is just $5 for US customers. Each sample pack includes 7 packets of LMNT, one of every flavor, and the offer is limited to one time per customer. For more information and to claim your free offer, visit drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link and details will be in the show notes. But then there's, so you can use it for anything. So now let's say that there's something like more traumatic, like someone asked you, what do you tell your mind to ward off PTSD, anxiety, when emotionally triggered? Now, first of all, Let's look at that sentence and let's look at that question and analyze it. What do you tell your mind? I absolutely love that you've said that. Whoever asked that question, I absolutely love how it's phrased. What do you tell your mind? You see, you can tell your mind what to do because that's your mind, your wise mind, telling your messy mind. So what does your wise mind say to your messy mind when? To ward off PTSD anxiety, so PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. Okay, so in other words, there's been any kind of trauma, any kind of trauma, low level, high level, big T, small T, whatever you want to call it, the big stuff, the cumulative stuff, etc. All of those have become there's a source to them, and they are toxic, and they and the the branch memories are your interpretation of that. So how you, it's all the data, what do you think and feel about yourself, your narrative in relation to to the source narrative. So that's your interpretation narrative in relation to the source narrative. And the combination is how you show up. Okay, so this could be maybe a war trauma. This could be maybe a sexual trauma. This could be maybe a friendship trauma. This could be maybe a marriage trauma, a death trauma, a chronic illness, whatever. Okay, there's a million, trillion, infinite numbers of ways that we traumatize. We all experience trauma in different degrees all the time. So that's the source and, and when it's extremely severe and unmanaged, this obviously, as soon as this happens, as soon as this happens, as soon as you experience, let's say the bullying or the, the, the sexual trauma, as soon as that happens, you're as simultaneously as it's planted, as you have the experience, environment, experience, mind is processing it. So it's the experience happens, the rape, your mind is, your mind and body obviously experiencing this. It is built into your brain as these, the source, as the actual experience interpreted by yourself as all the data, the emotions, the terrible stuff, the everything. And that is then that combination then is going to manifest in an imbalance in the brain and the body. And very often when it first happens, we suppress it to try and just cope. And then when, when, when it starts coming in these, when we have flashbacks, it's popping up. And when it comes up, it brings back all the data and all the emotions. And remember, because every thought is stored in the mind, you get that holistic Recall and then the brain is the actual protein trees activated in the brain. And that then starts giving you the detail of the, of the trauma and the, and you naming the emotions and there's the, the stories coming back in detail. And that then activates the physiological response in the body. And that's overwhelming. And then it gets so overwhelming that you just, I can't deal with this. And with your messy mind, you just shove it down and it goes back, unfortunately, even stronger than before. And then it comes up and it's too painful to deal with. So people take drugs, you know, substance abuse. It could be, you know, anything. It could be any kind of thing to numb the pain, whether it's drugs or exercise or food or substances, whatever. And that that results in transmitting behaviors that are, you know, not healthy. And then this whole thing gets reinforced and this can become a cycle. So the first thing is to be able to recognize, you know, how are you showing up? So just by that mere question, what do you tell your mind? you've already started that person to ask that question, is you've already recognized that there's a pattern that you need to deal with. There's a pattern of, an, of, of feeling extreme anxiety when this is triggered. Okay, so now if something's triggered and you're feeling this extreme anxiety where you feel like you're going to break down or go into a panic attack or whatever, and there's the temptation to shove it down because it's so overwhelming, the fact that you're feeling such a strong emotion, the fact that you the data is overwhelming you, is indication that you haven't embraced, processed, and reconceptualized it. In other words, it's still there, very strong, and it's still controlling you. So following the awareness, we've got to grab that thought and we have to process through it. So then it's working through a toxic trauma. And that is daily work, 15 to 45 minutes that you do every day to work from the signal through to the interpretation, the, so there are all the different signals. Of the, it's the emotional signals, which is obviously the anxiety, the panic attack, but there's always going to be other emotions attached to. Your behavioral signals, what are you doing? What are you saying? Your perspective, how you are looking at life when this is activated? And then your physiological responses, what's going on in your body? And you're going to objectively gather those and then you're going to reflect. You're going to do the two forms of writing and you're going to do an active reach, which is like a little action that keeps you anchored in that place of healing so whatever work you've done that day and on day one you're not going to solve this it's going to take a full 21 days at least to to start identifying the, the elements of the trauma and then you've got to practice the new version that you're building for another 42 days and in that 21 days it may not be enough to identify everything you're going to have to do more work you may only identify and uncover a tiny piece in that 21 days because it's so huge, maybe the trauma was so embedded or been there so long. Sometimes you do get it in the, all of it in the first 21 days and then you can see how it's impacted other areas that you need to work on and you can come back and do another cycle. So always remember that it's, there's no cookie-cutter time frame to healing the anxiety that you feel from a trauma that's been triggered. But the fact that you're feeling the anxiety, the extreme anxiety from the trauma that has been triggered is mean, means that you haven't reconceptualized it. Once you've gone through the process, five steps a day, 21 days, and then from day 22 to 60, to 63, another 42 days, you do just step five, which takes you about seven minutes a day, one to seven minutes a day, you're then turning it into a habit. So it takes a full 63 days to turn it into a habit. And a habit means that there'll be a behavior change, which means that the next time that you're triggered by a situation that triggers, you know, that there's some kind of link to, the, to what happened, that is, is, is the trigger. When you triggered, it's this that's going to pop up. This toxic thing has become this little green thing inside. For those listeners, I'm holding up a green tree and my toxic tree. And if you're listening, you can also watch this on YouTube to see these images. But basically, I'm holding up a green tree and I'm pulling a little tiny piece of the green tree out. And this little piece of the green tree is the reconceptualized pain. So when you've done the work, you turn this toxic trauma, which had its source, what happened, your interpretation, which is very often totally distorted, because you often see yourself as being the, being the one who is the cause, or you, you're at fault, or you see yourself as shame, or you angry, whatever. There's all kinds of t- distortions that happen in the interpretation part. But by doing the five steps daily, the neurocycle, you start unpacking that and you start seeing that, and then you convert that into the truth. Okay. This happened to you. This was terrible. No one's going to take your story away from you. No one needs to. Your story is important. You need to process it by talking through it in this way, this very organized way, this five step process. You basically pulling up the story and you unpacking it. You then changing it and you're putting it inside how you want your future to play out. Because that PTSD experience and the, and the anxiety that is triggered along with it when all the data and emotions come back is perhaps affecting your work environment, your relationships. So you want to get to the point where you can have a relationship, where you can get back to work, where you're not having nightmares every night. Whatever the the impact has been, the green branches over here are the new thoughts. The the source is how you want it to be, the interpretations, what's going to actually happen in your life, how you see this playing out in your life. So this converts to that. But it takes those extra 42 days for this to become a habit. Habits do not form in 21 days behavior change is not going to happen. It's going to, in 21 days, it's going to take 63 days. Okay, so what I want to do now, I've given you two examples, one of like public speaking and one of trauma. Now I'm going to go into a little bit more detail just about how we can unpack this concept of anxiety as a warning signal. And I'm going to give you some, how it changes the brain and the physiology, what's actually happening. That's a lot happening. So I'm not going to tell you everything. I'm just going to give you like an overview to help you understand the picture. Okay, so first of all, Anxiety, as I keep saying, is a warning signal. Like your alarm goes off in the morning and tells you to get up, you've got to do something. When anxiety is happening, whether it's just a little bit or a lot or medium amount or whatever, it, you, you pay attention to it because it's a signal that's telling you there's something going on. There's a narrative attached to this. So as soon as you pay attention, you start gathering awareness of that, of that emotional warning signal of anxiety, you can then start getting deeper as I've been describing, you know, the body signals, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so let's see how this all works, okay? I just wanted to say a little bit more before I dive into the, the physiology. I've written here a warning signal is like a clue, not a brain disease. Okay, so anxiety is a clue, not a brain disease. That's nice to know because if you have got anxiety and you told you've got a brain disease, you kind of feel helpless. But if it's a clue, you then empowered to take agency and to say, okay, it's a clue I have a narrative, there's a context, there's a reason why. Let me unpack, let me deconstruct, and here's the system going through the five steps. As you go through those five steps, you'll read in the science of my book, and if you've been listening to me in my podcast, there's a bunch of science behind each of those steps, okay? And that's helping you to change your mind and your brain. So the cause of anxiety isn't in the brain. The cause is the narrative. It's what happened to you, okay? So because the experience goes through your brain, your brain responds, but the cause is in the narrative, not in your brain. Your brain is the effect happens in your in your brain and your body, okay, and it gets stored in there. And that's why we have these strong data physiological responses, okay? So if we think the anxiety we're feeling and experiencing is because you have damaged brains, we can lose our hope and sense of agency. But if we think the other way around, we can increase our sense of agency. And I showed with my, with my research that when we feel that sense of agency, We feel more empowered to control and to deal with this, this anxiety by a factor of 81%, which is amazing, okay? And that's using our mind. That's the what do I say to my mind question that we were dealing with. When you know what to say to your mind, which is how we use the neurocycle, because as using the neurocycle, you learn what to say to your mind. Okay, so let's use an example we can all relate to. Let's explore this. Let's think of the pandemic. So the pandemic affected all of us. It's trauma. And we all experience it in our own different ways. We all have our own narratives and trauma experiences. But here is the pandemic, COVID-19. And all of the root system is all how you experienced that, how it affected your life personally, and how you interpreted that in terms of how you see yourself, how you see your life. And that has generated emotional responses. So anxiety is definitely going to be one of those. Now, anxiety has been a problem since the beginning of time because life is filled with adverse circumstances. We can't control events and circumstances or people, but we can control what's in us, our responses too. Okay, so anxiety has always been a problem. Extreme anxiety where people feel they can't cope had increased to a point of about 30% prior to the pandemic. During the pandemic and after, it tripled. So the feeling of overwhelming anxiety, extreme anxiety increased by... Tripled, so from 30% to 90%, which means that a huge amount of people are feeling extreme anxiety. Now, here's something I want to say you can catch COVID, but you can't catch anxiety. COVID is an actual physical disease. Anxiety is a response to the impact of that disease on your life. Okay, so that's the difference. So, anxiety is not a disease like COVID. Anxiety is a response that we experience because of the changes that COVID has made in our lives whether it is in our own bodies, bodies of loved one, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's loss of finance, whether it's loss, you know, the isolation and the lack of hope for like 18 to 25-year-olds have experienced stuck like more depression and anxiety than people in their sort of 55 upwards, 65 upwards because the of, of the, like you're just out of school and university, like where's my future? You know, what is my future? Do I even have a future? And so that's really had a massive impact in increasing anxiety, not knowing where to go and not being able to, make money and everything. So as we open up and and start things start opening up again, hopefully we can address that. But we've not got to see this as something that we've caught. This is a response. This is a result of, and it's getting muddled up in the disease model language as being seen as a disease like COVID. It's not a disease like COVID, it's a response. And we need to have a different approach then to healing it. Okay, so the, the, the approach that I'm advocating is twofold. The one is that I want you to understand that this is a response and that you can, through a systematic mind management system daily, you can learn to recognize why you're responding and get it under control and find ways of dealing with it in a very systematic and ordered way, as opposed to just living under an apple tree falling, all the apples falling on your head and being overwhelmed. And then in addition is to have community interaction, whether that's in the in the form of a combination of therapies, counseling, and support systems, and then just being with other people, connecting with other people and talking through your experiences. So that community aspect. Okay, so it doesn't take much detective work if you think of it to to understand that people's increased anxiety is because of the pandemic, not because people have suddenly caught some biological brain disease called anxiety out of the blue, okay? You catch COVID-19, you don't catch anxiety. You experience anxiety as a response, okay? Your brain is not a pre-programmed lump of gray matter and you're not dancing to your DNA, okay? So it's not inside you. Anxiety waiting to jump out. It is this beautiful brain that is being constantly changed by you, your mind, your ability to think, feel, and choose in response to the experiences in your environment. So environment impacts us. And if we're in a stressful environment, that's what we are experiencing. That's what we are building into our brain. And it will manifest as anxiety and depression and those other things. Okay. So Your program's not a pre-programmed lump of gray matter. There is hope. You have agency. And the agency comes from recognizing the pattern and being able to decipher and then to try and reconceptualize that into understanding that I don't, I'm not nuts. I am anxious because of. The experiences were wired into the brain by the mind. Okay, so the point is there's a change. So let's take the COVID-19. There was a change globally in our environment. We all experienced that using our mind. So the mind is the mechanism, the power and the mechanism of how we experience life. It's experimental because it's always hypothesizing. We don't know what's coming up. If this happens, that could happen. If this, So it's all kind of guesswork. So we live this experimental life. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. That's the messy mind and that's okay. The whole point is we also have a wise mind, the ability to introspect, the ability this inner know Balance this inner wisdom that I speak about all the time. That that when we really tune in and do the work of unpacking what we are experiencing, which is what the neurocycle and mind management through the mind management through the neurocycle is doing, we can then get this under control. We can then work it out. We can we can push our brain and mind in the right direction so that our mind doesn't get chaotic and our brain doesn't and body don't get chaotic as a result, which then feedbacks into feedback into the, the mind making it worse so the mind is always experimenting and working things out it gets messy and that's okay it's the whole point is to look at the messiness and then to grow so we get messy experimenting this is not working making me unhappy this is going making me go crazy i can't cope okay what is it what can't i cope what's the data what's the emotions what's going on what's the source how can i see this differently what help do i need to make this work for me that's reconceptualizing so the brain experiences These experiences are then wired into the brain. So COVID-19 is the environment. The mind experiences that, or experiences the news, all the things that we have happened. And that experience gets pushed into the brain and wired into the brain. Beautiful partnership between mind and brain. And as they connect, there is this connection, this magical connection. As the mind moves into the brain and the brain responds, and then this gets wired into the brain. Now, we're hearing this daily, so this is getting wired in more and more and more, and it's being reinforced. Three weeks later, we have, we have this toxic tree. Nine weeks later, we have these habits. We have these behavior changes. We're living now with this constant messaging in our brain. And so we've got COVID toxic trees in our brain that have become habits because it's been longer than three weeks. It's been into nine weeks. It's longer than nine weeks. They've been reinforced. so we, that's, So our behaviors have changed. So it's not surprising that if you have nine weeks of isolation, nine weeks of not one not knowing what's going to happen with your career, nine weeks of not knowing what's going to happen with your health, not nine weeks of not knowing what's going to happen in the world, and we've had longer than that, you've wired this into your brain, there's trauma, and your anxiety is 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 telling you, hey, that this is your anxiety is the signal saying, hey, this is a threat to your survival, your imbalance has been thrown off, your immune system is activated, and not only is your immune system activated. Because your immune system activated and it sees this because this is a protein tree. This is a physical change in your brain. There's changes in your DNA. So your immune system recognizes this is a threat to your survival and sends it and, and basically allows the whole mind, brain, body response to send out the signal of anxiety to say, hey, pay attention. This is threatening your survival. A constantly inflamed. Immune, a, a constantly activated immune system will create inflammation in the brain and the body and affect the hormone system and the cortisol. And things you've heard me talk about before, also can create things of like hypertension. So for example, we have, put COVID aside for a moment, in any one day, we have in all our psychoneurophysiology, psychomind, neurobrain, body, biology, all our psycho-neurobiology. we have all these cycles of tension and release, biochemistry and neurophysiology and and energy all these cycles of tension release tension release that's what keeps us going our our biochemistry our neurophysiology our energy in our body is all working on cycles of tension and release so it goes into a state of tension for you to focus you get a boost of of dopamine and you achieve a little goal and then the dopamine uh, uh, has activated another bunch of neurochemicals and then the whole cycle then rests a little bit and then the next thing you need to do the cycle builds again, you get all this neurophysiological response, including the dopamine and all the downstream chemicals, and you get that done and then there's a release. So that's what you're designed for. So the messiness is kind of in the tension and the messiness with the wise mind is in the release. But the problem is is if we stay in the tension state, so we just keep staying tension, 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 and we don't have the release and that can that can then take the – so anxiety can be in the tension and then the anxiety is controlled in the release. But if we stay in the tension, anxiety, 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 it builds, 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 builds and we collapse. Panic attack and and extreme mental health challenges and all that kind of – we can't cope, overwhelm, all that kind of stuff. So one of the, as we're in those cycles, one of the things is many, many 1,400 neurophysiological responses. And one that's like really interesting is that you get the brain then sends a message, for example, to the kidneys – to say, hey, we need more. We need increased blood pressure here to be able to cope in the cycle of tension. And so the kidneys pump more salt water into the blood, and then the, that that increases the blood pressure, and that is good for in the cycle of tension release because then it stops, and then it goes back to normal. So we have all these patterns that are the up and the, the up and down all the time, which is, keeps us going through the day. It's all linked to the dopamine release, which keeps you motivated, etc. So it's beautifully orchestrated and organized, very complex, but it's all these cycles of tension release. But let's say now we're in tension, tension, tension. Now the brain's been programmed to tell the kidneys to increase the salt water, to increase the blood pressure in the heart. But now because there is not a release, the tension now turns into hypertension. And long states of hypertension can cause a brain bleed, it can cause a stroke, it can cause problems with your heart and so now we've become vulnerable to diseases that could threaten our lifespan and that's why that's this mind brain body link so if we are in an environment of constant stress and we don't manage it people's blood pressure increases it's because now we don't get the release part of that cycle so that it just keeps going and then you've got the immune system sending out immune factors so the inflammation's increasing the blood pressure's increasing and a lot of other stuff is going wrong and you're not getting enough oxygen and blood flow to your brain. So your decision-making ability drops, et cetera. So we've got to manage that. So in the midst of a crisis, I'm, that's why I'm so hot on trying to help you manage that because when we recognize, okay, I'm in the state, I really, my heart is pumping too fast. I am recognizing that body signal. I am recognizing I'm feeling completely overwhelmed. I'm recognizing my perspective is that I can't go on. And I tell myself it's okay I need to manage this. And you can go into your mind management process and you can do that alongside the support of others because we need each other. And even if it's over Zoom, now we're at least opening up and we can start connecting with each other. But that's where the therapy comes in. Go to therapy if you need therapy. Get, Get connected with a support group. Get into, there's no shame in that. Get it out, talk about it. We need help from each other. And you know, when you help someone else, you are actually increasing your own healing by a factor of sixty-eight percent plus. So that is amazing. So you need help, and you need to give help to in order to manage this. So all of us need to be getting help and giving help. You know, that's the whole concept that should be evolving here. Whereas we versus the narrative we've got today, which is you've got anxiety, you've got a disease. It's like it's like a disease. That and you need medical professional help. And I'm not anti medical or professional help. We need it. Most of my friends are in the medical and therapeutic profession, but we've also got to manage our own mind. And we've also got to recognize that that's the support that we need. We've also got you living with yourself 24 seven. You see your therapist once a week or whatever. You've got to live with your mind 24 seven. You wake up with your mind, which is one of the questions: What happens when you wake up and your mind is going crazy? How do you? And you've got so much anxiety. How do you manage your mind? So when anxiety comes. And you see that you saying, and and you and you stand back and observe your own thinking using this neurocycle and the whole concept of mind management that I'm teaching you. You can then separate yourself from yourself, which we can do. We go, we it activates very high levels of intelligence in the brain, and we can stand back and observe and say, okay, I'm feeling this tremendous anxiety. That means my I've got hypertension, potentially hypertension building up, and I've got not enough oxygen and blood flow. These are my telomeres are getting affected. Whatever you. I've got lots of different things you can look at to give yourself the language in my book. And you basically can say, but I can control this because your mind drives that change. You can say, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Okay. The minute you tell yourself it's okay and you be kind to yourself and say, okay, let's work through this. Let's see what am I actually feeling. And then you start going through the neuro cycle. You make those 1,400 neurophysiological responses work for you instead of against you. That cycle of tension and tension and tension starts becoming tension release. And then you start seeing, Oh, you're telling yourself all the time that it's your fault that this has happened. Meanwhile, it's not your fault or that this is the end of the world. Or you, t- you see through the neuro cycle, you see the statements that you're making. So how do you change that? Well, that statement is coming from this experience that and your interpretation. And that has released the statement. And the feeling of anxiety, how you're showing up is the statement. You're seeing yourself and saying to yourself, I am the cause. I am at fault. I am shame. I can't cope. It's never going. And so the more you say that, the more you practice it, you're making it a stronger and you're giving it more and more energy. So now with the neuroscience, you can say, okay, that's what I'm doing. Hey, messy mind. That's okay. Wise mind. Let's change that. Let's grab that. And it's reconceptualize." So going through the five steps of your active reach would be, what can I rather say? even though I don't believe it yet, let me start saying it because then I start building this and I build maybe just one little leaf today and then more tomorrow because every time I do this, I'm going to catch myself and and say the new statement that, and I'm going to see that this is like a volcano. It keeps exploding and if I don't do something about it, the volcano just keeps getting more energy to explode. But if I start saying, okay, there's the volcano, that's what it's done. It's exploded. It's still exploding. But I can, by controlling it, by looking at it, the explosion eventually will it eventually stop. The explosion will eventually stop, but you can influence that speed of of the explosion stopping. And you can that's hot lava that is pouring out, which is all the anxiety and stuff that can eventually will dry up. In Iceland, we were there a couple of years back and doing a trip there, and we were doing a tour, and they showed us, drove us through this one area, and said, "There's an active, active volcano that can explode any day." In fact, it could explode now while we're driving over it and thinking, oh gosh, why are they even driving us over this volcano? But it looks like a beautiful green, it's a road with green, greenery on either side and there's farms and, and they, and that, that very, it didn't explode where we were there, but it just exploded very, fairly recently. And my son happened to be there and they were traveling around and they basically, they, they saw, they were driving, they actually saw the, the volcano that exploded that, that we had seen a few years back. And that that volcano, they were watching that explode and the lava coming out. Eventually that volcano will stop exploding. The lava will cool down and the grass will grow and the people will move back. And that's kind of what you're doing with anxiety. The volcano is that signal that there is stuff going on and we have to watch that. We have to go through the process of letting it finish exploding and letting the lava flow and letting it kind of burn its way out and cool down and eventually things grow back. But you've got to drive that process intentionally. You've got to make that choice to recognize, okay, I keep on making that. I keep re-energizing this explosion of this volcano by trying to suppress or ignore. I need to dive in. As painful as it is, I need to dive in to the anxiety and work through that process daily over these cycles of 63 days. There is time involved to get to the point where I can stop the giving the volcano enough energy to explode where you can work through the point of the burning lava, which is so painful. Things get worse before they get better. When you start seeing the reason for your anxiety, that can be very overwhelming. It can make you even more depressed. That's what I found with my patients and my subjects. But you, that's where you need support, to be able to push through, to have the resilience. And I have all kinds of tips and techniques on that. I did a podcast last week on brain building, which is great for resilience building. So you can you can use, there's so many things you can do in your active reach. could be a little brain building exercise, which can help to, to give you, so like today, I can't deal with anymore. So I'm just going to do a little brain building exercise and you take something that you're super interested in and you do the five steps to build some new information in your brain. And that little simple exercise, which I explain in this book, there's a whole chapter in this book on that will then increase your resilience. So when you come back to tomorrow, then you've got a little, you're a little bit stronger. And in the meantime, maybe you have a therapy session or you talk to a good friend or some, or a loved one. And that helps you to then keep working and you keep working through until eventually that lava cools down and your life grows back. And then that shows you, okay, I've now achieved success in this, and but now there's anxiety in this area of my life. And now you go and you do the same process and that's how you manage it. And yes, it sounds so easy and it is easy, but it's not easy because but your mind's working anyway. Your mind is in any case working. So anxiety is something that we basically need to learn to manage because anxiety is gonna always be with us. But that explosive volcanic anxiety. You don't have to live with that all the time. You can get it under control before it becomes this explosion. So then it's just like the the memory of the lava or there's still bits of lava rock around. And as opposed to, and that makes you feel a little anxious versus this whole volcanic eruption. And if you do have volcanic eruptions, that's okay. Don't beat yourself about the head because the kinder you are to yourself, the more resilience you have to deal with your stuff. We've all got stuff. We've got to allow ourselves the space to process our stuff. There is a narrative attached to that anxiety. And that narrative needs to be explored. If you are like me, then you know how nausea can really ruin your day and affect your mental health, whether you experience it after an intense workout, on a plane or boat, during your cycle, or after eating certain foods. Nausea can really impact your mood and ability to function. Nausea can ruin a day, force us to change our plans, and, in the most severe cases, make us unable to function. For those of you who can relate i've got good news you've got to check out relief band the number one fda cleared and anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting associated with motion sickness anxiety migraines hangovers morning sickness chemotherapy and so much more the product is 100 drug free none drowsy and provides all natural leave with zero side effects as long as needed the technology was originally developed over 20 years ago in hospitals to relieve nausea from patients but now through relief band is available to the masses relief band stimulates a nerve in the wrist that travels to the part of the brain that controls nausea then it blocks the signal your brain is sending to your stomach telling you that you are sick Relief Band is the only over-the-counter wearable device that has been used in hospitals and oncology clinics to treat nausea and vomiting. I can't tell you enough about the wonders this product has worked for me, especially after an intense workout and infrared sauna session or when I eat something that doesn't agree with me. And if you know someone who deals with nausea, Relief Band makes a great gift. Don't let the fear of nausea keep you on the sidelines. Right now, Relief Band has an exclusive offer just for cleaning up the mental mess, listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use the promo code Dr. Leaf, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping and a no questions asked 30 day money back guarantee. So head to R E L I E F B A N D.com and use our promo code Dr. Leaf for 20% off plus free shipping. Don't you just love it when your household products and foods match your home? Yes, you heard that right. Match your home. Public Goods, one of my favorite ways to shop for household goods online, not only makes great products that I can use every day, but everything looks clean and calming. No more bright colors and mismatched packaging. Rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful streamlined aesthetic that can truly make your house feel like a home. Public Goods is my new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. My puppies are big fans of their peanut butter cheese chews, which make training time so easy, while the rest of my family loves snacking on their chocolate-covered almonds and delicious vanilla and coconut grain-free granola. I especially love that Public Goods ethically sources and develops each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives, still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals and the environment. And I worked out an awesome deal just for my listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you'll absolutely love their products and come back again and again, that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus right now, Receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or reusable food storage wraps with your order. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash DrLeaf or use the code DrLeaf at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot forward slash DrLeaf to receive $15 off your first order. The link and details will be in the show notes. Well, I hope this has helped you. I just want to see that I have covered everything here. I want to make this point. In reconceptualizing, the reason that we need to manage and not always necessarily solve our problems is because pure acceptance of the uncertainty is part of our healing. So sometimes, let me say that again, we need to recognize it's mind management. I talk about mind management. So I'm not going to say that your anxiety is going to disappear. You're always going to have anxiety. You're a human. But that explosive volcanic anxiety, you don't have to live with that all the time. I mean, it does happen. You can manage that and it gets less and less and less in your life and you become better and better and the volcanoes get smaller and smaller and more and more manageable. So they are only little explosions instead of these massive life, life-changing, week-long explosions. And that's the goal that you're working towards. You're rewiring your brain. You're rewiring that neurophysiological response. I mean, you've done it with one anxiety issue when the next anxiety issue comes up, you've had the practice. You've got a context. So you can go back. And, oh, I did it with that. I managed my anxiety with that. And maybe in that example, you didn't actually find a complete solution. So your reconceptualization was the acceptance that you'll never understand why those people did that to you. That's their own trauma response. They're going through their own stuff and you accept that and that acceptance helps you to move on. And that's what you reconceptualized because you're not going to understand everything about why people do things. But you so part of your healing is going to be the acceptance of not knowing everything. So that's why I say the reason we need to manage and not necessarily always solve is because the pure acceptance of the uncertainty is part of that process. Sometimes we're just not going to get the full answer. It's because so so these connections, literally connections, between our perceptions. This is this is your perception, perceptions of this and the physiology in our body, which is what I've been describing. How we experience, perceive, builds in our mind, brain, and body, and we build that link, and it gets triggered. And what we want to do is break that trigger. That's why we have to do the body work as well. That's why things like yoga and the meditation, which I call brain preparation, and I build into the book, I talk about it, and I have an app called NeuroCycle where I do little brain preparations with you to help you get it out of your body, out of your brain, into your mind, and other way around, and redesign it to make it work for you and not against you. So your perceptions affect your physiology, how you perceive yourself. It's built in, it's widened. If you keep seeing yourself in this negative way, you will have the physiological response because how you have experienced something then leads to how you see yourself. And that's in mind doing that. And then mind what mind does, brain does, because mind puts that into the brain in this form. And then the brain says to the body, okay, that's the physiological link. And then you keep re-experiencing it. So we've got to deconstruct that and change how we want it to work out for us. Okay, so this link between the mind-brain-body and this physiological link that I've just described between our perception and the physiological changes... Can help us predict what we need as an individual organism to cope and to modulate our biochemistry and physiology. You're literally modulating without even being aware. You're modulating your biochemistry and your physiology and the dopamine and the and the brain waves and the and the the, the different neurochemical reactions. So with your mind, when you say X to your mind, when you go through the neurocycle, you are basically modulating your biochemistry and physiology. You're making these microscopic changes in the brain. You're amazing. You're doing brain surgery without the blood. You got to keep telling yourself that you are, re- and rewiring takes time, guys. It takes sixty-three day cycles to rewire and to break those perceptual neurophysiological links that are stuck in your body that you feel when you're doing the yoga, that you that start coming out when you're doing the yoga. And but it's not enough just to, for example, do the yoga or the body work or the breathing. That's important because it opens the door, and then it, then the mind. Then you've got to go beyond that into the mind work which is the neurocycle. And then you need the support, which is the therapy. So that's kind of putting it all together. Okay, so I think I have said everything. I've never said everything, as you know, by now. I want you to understand, though, that all these things, I mean, environments that we are in, like divorce and racism and bullying and narcissistic relationships and living in dangerous environments and all these things are environments. And our environments are what we experience with our mind. And our experiences of experience with our mind are translated into the brain and then the brain activates the body and then this whole perception, neurophysiological link is is created. So we need to become aware of that to change it. And that's where the neurocycle comes in. So I hope that this is going to help you. And I think we have addressed most, sort of in an indirect way, most of those questions. I'm just going to double check here. So basically it can be wired in related to a specific, can it be wired in related to a specific fear? I've addressed that. And then the last thing that I didn't directly address was hypervigilance. I talk about that in my book as well. So hypervigilance is when we've got constant cycles of tension and we don't get the release, then we get become hypervigilant. We're always predicting something bad is going to happen. We live in this constant state of tension with no release. And that our mind then goes into every experience. Expect hypervigilant. What's the negative? What's the bad thing that's going to happen, even if it's a good thing? And you start becoming very... So immediately that your mind is primed to be hypervigilant to see the negative, that's how it translates it into the brain. Even if it's good, is always what's the what's the bad thing that's going to happen that activates that neurophysiological link, and we just keep reinforcing. So we've got to stand back and look at ourselves and and, and observe what we're doing and look at those patterns. And hypervigilance can be recognized in the fact that you're always on edge, always watching, always seeing the negative. And that creates extreme anxiety and it is absolutely exhausting and eventually will explode volcanic manner. I hope this has helped you today. If you want to know more about this, as I said, my book, Cleaning Up a Mental Mess, I cover this as well in depth and I have the app NeuroCycle app, which is beautifully a beautiful way of you, me literally giving you therapy every day. We're adding more and more stuff to the app, organic little. It's very organic and very developmental. We're adding all kinds of little extra programs to the app to help you got little mini guides so there's, there's a guide for panic attacks there's a guide for helping your kids dealing with all kinds of stuff so there's constantly new programs being added with the base 63-day program in it and we're also going to be having a new adding a neurocycle lab in the not too distant future where i'll actually be able to coach you through these situations so it'll be, it'll be via technology through the app me actually coaching you through helping you with you give me your situation and i'll help you unpack that so we are doing all kinds of things to help you to manage anxiety. Thank you so much for joining me today and I look forward to seeing you next time. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself